Welcome to Policy Pod, P-O-R-F podcast. The Ideas Factory is an exclusive series by ORF that delves into the big geopolitical events that affect India and the world. Hello, the US and Russia have clashed over Ukraine at the UNSC. India has abstained from voting on the issue. Russian envoy has called it, and I quote, this isn't just unacceptable interference in the internal affairs of our state. It is also an attempt to mislead the international community about the true situation in the region. Other than that, the Houthi rebels have once again launched a ballistic missile in the UAE's airspace. And this has happened when the Israeli president was visiting. So what is UAE's role in the Yemen war? What is uh, the Saudi Arab Iran angle to it? Along with that, the US and China tension that continues. China warning US over Ukraine. China also warning Ukraine, uh, saying that it should not interfere in the Winter Olympics. And we will also look at the visit of uh, the, the top defense official of Oman uh, visiting India. So all of that on this episode of the Ideas Factory. Hello and a very warm welcome. I'm Nagma. Joining me is Professor Harsh Pant. Uh, Harsh, Ukraine continues to be top of the news world uh, even now because the tension continues. We know that the US and Russia have clashed over Ukraine at the UNSC. Uh, Russia has accused Biden administration of whipping up hysteria and actually misleading the international community about the actual situation in the region. But the Biden administration is warning Russia that if it walks away from diplomacy, then it will have to face serious consequences, obviously hinting at very serious sanctions. Uh, during this time, uh, in a situation like this, when there was a uh, there was a vote on the U- Ukraine issue, India has abstained from voting and it did not side with the U- with, with Russia, it did not actually side with the US too. So obviously, India is trying to uh, balance between Moscow and Washington. Russia has hailed India. How do you see this play of balancing ties between Moscow and Washington? This is, uh, uh, you know, this is an important, um, uh, challenging uh, issue for India. Uh, and I think as much as it is a challenge for the world at the moment where uh, there are serious concerns. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, the at least the rhetoric uh, is, is only sharpening. Uh, we also know that uh, uh, UK's prime minister has visited Ukraine. Uh, we, we, uh, we have seen uh, strong comments from the Ukrainian government. Uh, and we have also seen strong comments from the Russian government. Of course, Mr. Putin himself uh, has made uh, some very strong remarks against uh, the U.S. Uh, and NATO and the West. And, and I think situation by and large, it's seemingly where uh, it was say, a few few uh, weeks back. Uh, but what is interesting, I think, is that uh, still you see that space for negotiations, which remains open, where the two sides are still uh, trying to see what kind of uh, an economic or what kind of an order can be created, security order can be potentially created in, in, in Europe, because I think this is much beyond, uh, this is an issue that looks much beyond Ukraine. Uh, 
that uh, you know it is about the 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 security architecture in Europe uh, and in in Russia uh, which which feels emboldened in some ways uh, to make certain demands which is interesting that in you know uh, the demands that Russia has made i think many in Russia would agree that they are almost impossible for for the US and the west to accept uh but also i think the fact that those demands are being made they have been received there been there has been a response it tells you that diplomatic black back and forth between russia and the us continues uh, between russia and the europe continues uh and i and i think that space is what perhaps gives you hope that eventually something may uh, come of it uh, something uh, some kind of a diplomatic modus vivendi can be found uh, and and the two sides uh, can somehow reach an arrangement uh, which can you know look like seemingly look like a win-win uh, situation even though it, it will be certainly be a loss for one side or the other in, in geopolitical sense but as far as india is concerned you know india it, it is a tricky situation for india and i think it it can get trickier if there is a uh, an, an assault a frontal aggression against ukraine because that would bring into question a number of key uh, principles that india upholds very very its foreign policy outlook you know territorial integrity sovereignty those sorts of issues which are uh, which have been central to india's uh, uh, you know, narrative on the global stage uh, but below that threshold i think there is space for india as, as i think india's statement uh, in the unsc uh, underscored that india essentially would like to balance it out between the two sides and what i think is interesting that uh, that even you know during the uh crimea crimea crisis of 2014 india had um, you know basically uh, maintained a kind of a silence uh, on on this issue I had not taken any sides and that was uh, you know that was hailed by russia uh, which is basically uh, that that looked like an endorsement of russia uh, and in, and therefore it's not surprising that russia has hailed the the, the indian stand at the unsc as well uh, but i think uh, at the moment this serves india's purpose but if it if the crisis escalates the challenges might just increase for for india primarily because for india in its relationship with russia as well as its relationship with the west is very very critical for different reasons but it remains critical for india's standing in the world for for pursuing india's vital national interests and also for for uh, seeking a certain kind of a global order where there is a certain sense of equilibrium also uh, how would it uh, actually affect india's relationship with the us especially at a time when the biden administration is still considering uh, you know the whole uh, india buying s400 uh, from russia and the katsa uh, regulations do you think it's india's decision at this moment and if this tension further escalates and there is uh, no way coming out of the diplomatic talks that are taking place uh, then that could be a tricky situation for india indeed and i think uh, you know it it will be uh, if if there is an assault uh, if, if there is an uh, if there is a uh, you know in the frontal assault on on um, aggression against ukraine by russians then i think uh, it it will uh, you know the uh, west in particular uh, us uh, also would demand uh, you know so, that india respond uh, that india respond to it in a way uh, that perhaps is reflective of india's long standing positions on these matters now uh, india of course has so far maintained uh, you know a, a semblance of neutrality on this issue but as this crisis escalates it, it, it will become more and more difficult uh, and there i think uh, you know the, the whole 
atmosphere in the in the US might become very difficult to navigate because then, as you as are mentioning, the issue of Katsa will come. India's historical ties with Russia would be on the table. The US Congress uh, would become very uh, you know agitated about India's uh, role if if India does not really. Uh, stand up uh, with the with the West, uh, and and I think that is something that that can be uh, that that can get trickier with the with the situation escalating. Uh, so I think uh, these are going to be choppy waters uh, for the moment. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and this crisis is not going anywhere. We don't know how this will pan out. We also don't know whether uh, Russians uh, want to invade. They have already achieved uh, without invading uh, Ukraine a lot in this. Uh, with this, uh, so uh, by and large, India's response at the UN Security Council had, you know, uh, as is India underscored is that look, we want all sides to. Um, to have to come to a diplomatic resolution to, to this problem, uh, and uh, we don't, uh, you know, we, we do want genuine. I think that the point that, that India made, which which I think will be uh, viewed very very carefully, is this idea of uh, that countries uh, who having genuine security concerns, uh, they should be uh, genuine security interests uh, should be uh, looked at very carefully because uh, you know there is there is an element there, but there is a wider issue, Nagma, also, which is that uh, you know. A, in an ideal world, India would like uh, U.S., uh, the West, and Russia uh, to manage a semblance of relationship with each other. But if this crisis escalates and if the fault lines become even sharper than they are, uh, which they will, uh, what you know, uh, the the whole Indo-Pacific strategy of the West comes into question because then the focus will be squarely on what is happening in the European theater, and that would leave the Indo-Pacific theater open. Uh, for for a power like China to do what it you know what it wants, and there, given India's position that it would like more and more like-minded countries to be involved in the Indo-Pacific, uh, that comes under strain, uh, and I think that is a real issue, the strategic issue that India faces as this crisis escalates in the European theater. Uh, absolutely, Harsh, like you pointed out, the Indo-Pacific can be a matter of concern if the focus shifts to the European theater. And you, when you pointed out uh, China's role here uh, in the Indo-Pacific, also let's look at China's role here in this crisis right now. Uh, India has, of course, said that legitimate security interests of all countries have to be looked at. Now, the Chinese foreign minister has also said that Russia's reasonable security concerns should be taken seriously and resolved. In fact, it has uh, warned the U.S. Um, as far as Ukraine is concerned, and it has uh, said that expansion of NATO alliance in Europe, as far as the expansion of NATO alliance in Europe is concerned, regional security cannot be guaranteed by strengthening or overexpanding military blocks. It's also warning the U.S. over Ukraine. Uh, how important is China played here at the UN of, uh, UNSC? Of course, it has um, voted against uh, the motion. Uh, but China's role here, how do we look at that? I think very important role for China because China is, is is one of the will be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this. Whichever way it pans out, you know, if you have uh, the fault lines sharpening, a conflict emerging, uh, and and Russia uh, and the West increasingly at loggerheads, uh, this this benefits uh, China in significant ways because it uh, it uh, it further. Um, it strengthens uh, Russian's relationship with China. It further strengthens uh, in this axis, uh, which is one of the most important axes today in the world. 
uh, two major powers, two major continental powers like China and, the, and Russia working together is a nightmarish situation. And therefore, India had always maintained that it is a, it is in the interest of the West uh, to to wean Russia off from China. And we have not been uh, and the West have not been has not been very successful in doing that at all. And now, in fact, if this crisis escalates, we are going to see further, uh, uh, you know, a, a strengthening of this relationship. Uh, and I think the larger point, which which can be uh, increasingly difficult for India to handle, because if uh, spheres of influence, this idea of spheres of influence uh, uh, comes back uh, into uh, the geopolitical mapping of the world, which it seems, uh, you know, with what Russia is trying to do, then I think there are serious consequences uh, in the Indo-Pacific, because the, the way China has defined its sphere of influence uh, is uh, is uh, you know is something that is a big worry for India and for other countries in the region. So I think there is a there is also you know the possibility of learning from this crisis that that actors uh, you know will learn from each from this crisis. Uh, major stakeholders will learn and what that would mean uh, for uh, you know uh, for a country like China that that is already in an expansionist mode that is already uh, you know talking of uh, you know violating uh, territorial sovereignties of other nations including india so i think uh, this is this is a very delicate matter in in more ways than one and china's role here is going to be critical whichever way this crisis pans out there are a couple of questions on this topic about ukraine about russia um, and you know the the question that comes to everyone's mind is what is actually what does ukraine want what do the people of ukraine uh, really want do they want to go with because there is ukraine is divided too uh, uh sushma devi one of our viewers has sent in a question uh, which uh, he, she's asking does russia want to revive ussr first of all and what is the reason behind the us humanitarian crisis um and what do the people of ukraine want uh, other than that uh, kuhu agrawal is also asking a similar question that what is the stand of ukraine and its people and what's going on in the country we we hear of of uh, what Russia, what Russia is saying here, of what US is saying, and the West is saying, of course, Russia is saying that uh, United States is just whipping up frenzy and hysteria, and this is not the reality. So, where, what is Ukraine's stand here? Well, in some ways, you know, this is this is what the problem is in this, uh, you know, in this entire crisis that uh, everyone is talking about this crisis without actually talking about Ukraine. Uh, we are talking of, you know, almost as if we are back in the 19th century uh, geopolitical um, uh, jostling between major powers, where smaller powers did not matter, where smaller countries didn't matter. It was for the big countries, big nations to decide how they wanted, uh, how, how they, uh, you know, want to divide up the world. But And that is exactly what seems to be happening. So it's quite unfortunate in some ways. Uh, now, for Russia, of course, uh, I don't think uh, it's in their, uh, they have the wherewithal to revive USSR or, or uh, or imagine uh, their role, but I think the their the way they imagine their their global role is similar, especially Mr. Putin's ambition uh, to see some of the damage that has been done uh, to to Russian interests in the post Cold War era uh, to undo some of that damage. And I think uh, you know he has on he's on record to say, well, you know the the the, the fall of the USSR one of the biggest. Uh, geopolitical catastrophes of our times. So he does view it uh, with a certain degree of sentimentality. He does look at the the uh, you know uh, the the, the post Soviet uh, landscape, uh, post Soviet nations that emerged uh, out of the ruins of Soviet Union, 
you know, as, as falling within Russian sphere of influence, he does want to retain uh, Russian hold there. And there is no doubt about it. And I think a lot of this crisis is about Ukraine. It is about uh, uh, Russian periphery. It is about sending a message to other countries in, uh, you know, in the in the region that please you know, that don't mess with with NATO or don't mess with Russia, whichever way you want to put it, uh, because that will have costs. So, so I think he does want to, uh, you know, uh, revive a sense of of a certain kind of a sphere of influence that Russia possesses, and he feels that uh, perhaps uh, the West is at its weakest uh, you know, at the moment, internally distracted, internally divided, and he wants, you know, to take advantage of that situation. But I think the question as to what the Ukrainians want is a critical one. Because we know that there is there are a lot of divisions within Ukraine, but it is clear that there is a government in Ukraine. It is a democratically elected government uh, in Ukraine, and they have made their position very clear where they, where they stand. So I don't think there is any doubt as to what you, uh, what the majority of Ukrainians want. I, you know, I, I don't think uh, uh, they want to go back to uh, to their mother country, the Soviet Union, and and and, uh, you know, and join them. In fact, there is a you know th- there are new. Um, other countries uh, like Belarus, for example, or Baltic states, they have raised apprehensions about uh, you know the, this being repeated there. So I think you, you know the, there is there is the tension there between this aspiration of smaller countries to decide their own fate versus the demands that are made because of the geopolitical uh, interests of major powers. And this is something that that I think much of the world assumed. Uh, had ended with the end of the Cold War, uh, we are now realizing that was uh, premature thinking. Sure. Now, uh, you know, uh, Mahash, uh, there's another thing that I wanted your analysis on, on, and that's Yemen. That's something that we haven't really discussed, and the crisis there, the war situation is going on. Uh, So let's understand what is the situation like in Yemen? Why is this happening now? Of course, uh, the war has been going on for a couple of years. But what is UAE's role in Yemen? Because uh, the Houthi rebels have once again launched a ballistic missile in uh, the UAE's airspace. And this has happened when the Israeli president was visiting. So the question is, why now? Uh, you know, what is the Saudi Arab and the Iran angle here? Because the Houthi rebels are... Uh, probably backed by by Iran and you know the the Saudi coalition along with UAE and the other countries so there is a clash between the two uh, and uh, while this is going on the country faces a very very big humanitarian crisis for a long time where thousands of children have been killed because thousands of children have been dragged into the war as child soldiers too uh, the bombing has continued in Yemen but the new angle here of UAE being targeted yeah, I think, you know, uh, the, the war, of course, has been going on since 2014 uh, and where uh, you had the, the rebels trying to topple government, uh, you know, at, at that point in time, very unpopular government. And then you had, uh, uh, you know, the the, uh, the coming into play of regional power politics uh, where um, the, Saudi, the Saudis, uh, along with the UAE, entered the fray and Houthi rebels started, uh, you know, uh, getting a strong support uh, from Iran. And that, you know, that fault line has, uh, you know, is now uh, pretty much, uh, you know, established uh, in, in, in Yemen. And, and and as you were pointing out, the crisis is escalating. You know, there's a humanitarian crisis there, serious crisis. But no one is talking about it because there is a military uh, angle to it, which which right now is manifesting itself in the in the targeting of UAE. And in in, in, in an interesting way, it was the Indians also who were casualties of the strike that happened 
uh, in the industrial area last month and the airport. So, so we have seen Indian, uh, you know, Indians also becoming a casualty of this conflict in a certain way. Uh, so, it's, I mean, so the challenge I think for the Middle East at the moment is that uh, there is a sense that the the old order in the region has collapsed. But there is nothing to uh, take its place. You know, we, we don't know, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the contours of the new order in the Middle East as, as of yet. And I think that is leading to all sorts of consequences where there is a sharpening of the Saudi-Iran uh, rivalry, of course. Uh, but also, the, you know, the rapprochement that we have seen between Israel and the UAE uh, in, in, uh, in recent years uh, it has taken a very interesting dimension, including... Uh, the fact that there is a quad now in place, uh, so you know, uh, not technically not called a quad, but uh, U.S. sitting with uh, Israel and UAE uh, in uh, you know in, 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 in trying to work around in the region and trying to work in the you know uh, to, look, to look at the security arrangements in the region. But I think that the larger dimension of the of the Yemen crisis uh, remains the in, in some ways. Uh, the, the, you know, emerges from the context that UAE in 2019 decided uh, or declared at least that it was withdrawing the troops. But the, the advisors have, have been there. You know, advisors are still there. Military advisors are still there, um, training and and advising the you know the governmental response to this uh, to, against the rebels. And of course, uh, the rebels uh, see themselves on an upward trajectory. They see themselves as gaining a lot of support. They see uh, you know the the Yemen's political uh, order collapsing, and they get the you know I think that the big question here is uh, to what extent. Uh, uh, you know, and and UAE of course has blamed uh, Iranians uh, for for uh, for the attacks, and and have argued that rebels on their own cannot target uh, UAE assets and interests. It's the Iranians that are that are at, behind this. So I think what this crisis is also can also lead to potentially is a wider uh, sort of a fault line developing, and in the absence of any reconciliation which uh, you would recall was something that was expected with the onset of Biden administration. But that has not happened. Iran, the, the nuclear deal with Iran is not going anywhere. The, the dialogue with Iran has not really uh, gone anywhere. The rapprochement at one point that was, you know, that one was uh, regional experts were talking about between the Saudis and the Iranians has actually not gone anywhere. Uh, so I think what is happening now is UAE has become uh, a soft target in some ways, a target that is being used to make a case uh, that look, uh, the, the more you involve yourself in this crisis, the more damage uh, rebels uh, with the support of the Iranians uh, can do to your assets and interests. And you have to be very careful. I think the India angle here is interesting and important. India, with its uh, enormous presence in the region in terms of labor force, uh, can become an easy target uh, you know, in, in, this, in this conflict as well. So I think India and New Delhi will have to keep a close eye on, on these developments and ensure that, uh, that not only its, its you know, other interests are protected, but its people are not targeted uh, because that's a very, there's a very strong likelihood that that can happen. Yeah, and um, one of our viewers, Anand Sangameshwaran, has asked a similar question, uh, which I think you've answered. He's also talking about, you know, with the UAE being pulled into the war in Yemen after the Houthi attempt of destabilizing the business-friendly kingdom, especially after, you know, the deepening ties between UAE and Israel post-Abraham Accords. Uh, do we see an end to the worst humanitarian crisis in the foreseeable future? 
Probably not. I mean, right now, the situation is very, very difficult. Tens, thousands of children have been dragged into the war. Uh, we do not have much time, Harsh, but before we end, I would like you to uh, comment upon the, the visit by a top defense official um, of Oman just visited. And the defense official's visit is very, very important because of uh, the you know, the defense tie-up between the two countries, India and Oman. Uh, and how do we look at this from the point of view of the budget too, uh, when we, where we try to focus on a made in India and a self-reliant India in, term, in the defense sector? Yes, I think, you know, Oman is, uh, is one, of those, uh, one of the standout cases in terms of our partnership. Uh, uh, you know, it's a small, it's a small country in the Middle East, but India's relationship uh, has become uh, very, very proactive, and especially I think on the defense sector, uh, where uh, we have, uh, you know, there is not only the the issue of uh, India uh, training with the with Omani forces, but also working very closely in terms of logistics and in in terms of port facilities uh, in Oman. So I think the relationship has really grown, and Oman is one country in the region. Uh, which also looks at India as, as a as a provider of of uh, you know, defense uh, uh, supplies uh, and uh, potentially becoming a, a very important uh, partner for India in the larger Middle Eastern uh, West Asian matrix. Uh, I would since you mentioned uh, you know self reliance, uh, it is also I think interesting that we have seen the first uh, major sale of the Brahmos missiles to Philippines. Uh, so I think this puts into context some of the things that perhaps uh, Indian, uh, Indian government has been trying to do uh, in, the, in the defense sector, where even the budget uh, which, which, uh, you know, which was presented this week is basically talking about making India self-reliant in, in its defense manufacturing capacity as much as possible. I think the, the threshold uh, has been raised to almost 50, 68% this, in this budget where uh, of, of requirements would be met by uh, Indian companies, by Indian stab defense establishment. Uh, and, 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 and I think uh, that means that once there is greater confidence in India, uh, a, 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 that Indian uh, you know, uh, defense manufacturing based and take care of Indian needs and Indian interests, I think the, the rest of the world, uh, India's external partners can be more confident uh, of buying from India. So I think India, India that way not only reduces its dependence on uh, external sources uh, for defense, uh, it also enhances India's strategic autonomy, but it also makes it possible for India to export. So India becomes uh, an exporter of defense uh, supplies, uh, which is something that I think uh, we have been talking about for a very long time, but India has not been able to accomplish. So I think a lot of these uh, you know, elements fit into that, whether it is India's relationship with Oman or Philippines, whether it is India's uh, focus on building defense manufacturing base at home, uh, whether it is India's attempt to uh, export uh, some of its key uh, you know, uh, defense manufacturing capabilities. Uh, I think all of that put together uh, give you a sense of India's emerging priorities in, in, in defense sector. The priorities are changing and this is what uh, Akshay Pandit, one of our viewers, has also asked that how will the sale of Brahmos actually alter the game, change the game in the South China Sea? Uh, well, uh, you know, it's it is. I think for the at the moment for the Philippines to decide, uh, but any uh, you know any capability enhancement of countries uh, in South China Sea vis-a-vis uh, -vis China is good. It's it's good for them because they can uh, potentially uh, deter uh, to a limited extent. It may not be. Uh, 
a full full spectrum deterrence, but limited deterrence. But any capability enhancement is good, and I think the and this also projects India uh, more and more as a critical uh, as a as a credible defense partner for a number of these countries that have to veer between U.S. and China, uh, and and I think India's entry uh, you know makes them perhaps gives them opens up a greater diplomatic and strategic space for them for maneuvering. But I think these are still early days. Uh, and and one sale will not alter the paradigm, but I think it's a it's a good start, and it's a start that I think many in, in India have been waiting for that Brahmos, uh, you know, and sale sales would happen, and other countries would pick pick up. I think there are very serious negotiations going on with countries like Indonesia and Vietnam for the sale of Brahmos as well. So we'll see how that pans out. But I think the sale has certainly indicated both the intent of India to become a defense exporter as well as the intent of certain other countries who want to procure from india and have gained greater confidence of india's ability in india's ability to deliver right so that's a good start there's a long way to go it's a good start it also uh, shows uh, the change in our priorities thank you so much for that analysis harsh that's it from us on this episode of the ideas factory you can send in your questions and we'll try to answer some of your questions on the next episode thank you for watching Thank you for tuning in to Policy Pod, the ORF podcast. Please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes.